time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. Room for one more, honey. This is Miss Liz Powell. She's a professional dancer. She's in the hospital as a result of overwork and nervous fatigue. And at this moment, we have just finished walking with her in a nightmare. In a moment, she'll wake up and will remain at her side. The problem here is that both Miss Powell and you will reach a point where it might be difficult to decide which is reality and which is nightmare. A problem uncommon, perhaps, but rather peculiar to the Twilight Zone. Sean, this particular episode of the podcast is uh, posting a day late. I uh, l- let's just say we were lost in the twilight zone. Oh man, it's 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 an easy place to get lost in. But hey, it, it's good to be back. It, it really is. And uh, this episode uh, twenty-two. Uh, first of all, it is one of our uh, dreaded uh, videotape episodes. Yes. <laughs> um, Feels like we've had more than six of those. And uh, I, I'm not even sure which one we're on at this point, but it seems like it, it seems like it's been so many that we ha- we have to be towards the end. Of course. Um, which I think we've touched on this before. It it strikes me as odd. Like you would think, if they were doing it, you know, to save money and everything, which I, I believe they were, uh, you think they would have done them all at once. But instead, they're just sort of sprinkled all over the place. Just gonna spread them out. Um, What's interesting is, uh, so 22 is always a, a favorite of mine. Um, yeah. If I ever wanted to uh, uh, creep out a family member or they wanted to creep me out, they would say, you know, room for one more. <laughs> um, it, it was probably, I was probably uh, in my 20s, you know, whatever viewing of that uh, episode would have uh, would have occurred at that point. I... It, it was quite a while before I, I realized that it actually was one of the VHS episodes. I, oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I guess when I had seen it earlier in life, it, it looked good enough that I didn't notice. And you were just so wrapped in the story that uh, it didn't matter. It, exactly. Uh, because uh, in the episode, we're following uh, Liz Powell... Uh, who's a professional dancer. Now, this was uh, something that I had... I had never even noticed until this viewing of the episode that she was a professional dancer. Are we working under the assumption that she's a stripper? I, whenever, whenever I, I remembered that, I just assumed it was ballet or maybe, maybe she's a rocket. You know, at, at the risk of, um, at, at the risk of incurring the wrath of some people, I, I don't think she would be ballet. Because she just seems kind of dumb to be a ballet dancer. Like, I, mean, I, sure I picture I, I picture ballet dancers just being you know very smart, dignified people. Of course, and we uh, all saw Black Swan. And and, uh, and Liz Powell just doesn't come across that way. She she comes across as you know like the the cousin of of the uh, of the skeevy, skeezy lady from you know a most unusual camera. <laughs> like she, she seems like that kind of person, not necessarily a ballet dancer. I mean, Rahm Emanuel was a ballet dancer. I mean, how, really? how how more dignified can you get than that guy? Was this when he had nine or ten fingers? Uh, I would imagine it was uh, when he had nine because uh, he he lost his finger uh, when he was in high school. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. I. 
I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but he lost to a meat slicer in Arby's. No, I did not know that. That is hilarious. That is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Uh, yes. Yeah, so oh, he, no. He, he was working at an Arby's uh, here in the Chicago area and sliced oh, uh, part of his finger off. And, that story uh, could not be more perfect. Uh, as uh, President Obama once said, it was his middle finger on one Thank hand, God. so it rendered him partially mute. <laughs> I think he was a uh, I think he was still a house No, 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 he would have been the Obama's chief of staff My first year in D.C. And I remember him uh, uh, Verbally abusing another member In the uh, In the in the, mem- uh, in the member uh, gym Basically, but not in the gym In the showers uh, so I, I, I seem to remember hearing a story about that But it may Knowing that it's Rahm Emanuel There was probably more than one instance of that happening <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it was just That was not an isolated incident uh, So so yeah, uh, Rahm Emanuel Was a ballet dancer uh, You know we're, th- This episode is full of all sorts of trivia Not just about the <laughs> Twilight Zone um, This uh, What well, yeah, it's um, so. So we're following this woman, and and I don't think we know, we know at the beginning that it's a dream, but it's it's clearly something weird right. is going on. Uh, she hears a uh, I think a clock ticking the entire time, and um, you know she uh, she knocks over a glass uh, full of full of water. Um, eventually, she walks. She she goes down an elevator. Uh, she goes down to the uh, to the basement, which, uh, you know, naturally, if you're in the hospital, you're just getting up, walking around, going to the basement. I mean, who, who hasn't done that? <laughs> I think that's where I, I finally realized it was a dream. But either probably the first time I, I watched it, I was probably like, oh, OK, she's going to the basement. Let's roll with it. Uh, so she's she's got some uh, there's some creepy, uh, creepy footsteps going on. And, and it's generally just a, a, a creepy scene altogether. Eventually, well. she goes. I, I thought it was pretty well, pretty well done too. Uh, it is, yeah. Um, eventually, she uh, she runs into another person who says, you know, opens the door to the morgue and says, "Room for one more, honey." Oof. And um, terrifying. So, somebody did that to me. I'd probably just just laugh or look at them <laughs> funny, but but she's apparently terrified by this. Um, I mean, and, if I'm uh, watching this when I, when I'm like ten, that's yeah. that's. That's terrifying. Um, and and when you're 10, you're probably not thinking, is she a stripper or a ballet dancer? <laughs> and one step beyond that, you're probably not thinking, well, you know, both are uh, valid forms of uh, work. Yeah, and, that's uh, true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, uh, no shaming here. I just, uh, do you know, I want to I, I want to meet the woke 10 year old that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that defends uh, exotic dancer Liz Powell. Uh, somebody has to. <laughs> uh, so she, you know, she says, room for one more, honey. Liz screams in terror and uh, runs back to the elevator and then wakes up. Um, her, her doctor comes in. And uh, uh, Sean, did you notice that her doctor was played by William Shatner? I, oh, damn it. <laughs> I did. I did recognize Jonathan Harris. I absolutely. Yeah. It was always good to see him. I love that guy. I was like, hey, it's the guy from Lost in Space. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it, it's not William Shatner. It's Doctor Smith from Lost in Space. Uh, but but for just a second, I had you going, didn't I? Yeah, I was so excited. <laughs> no, no, no. Her her manager who comes in later. Yeah, that's William Shatner. That's that, that's, that's, it. that's Shatner. Um, so so the doctor 
I, I get sort of a, a creepy vibe from the doctor, too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just just Jonathan Harris. I I mean, he even kind of creeped me out as uh, as Doctor Smith. So. A l- little bit, yeah. <laughs> He's just uh, I I I just love the way <clears throat> the way he carries every role, and yeah, I, I I was definitely creeped out, and I think that adds to the you know consternation of the episode. Um, <clears throat> you know, even when he kind of suggests, well, you know this is a lucid dream, do something else in the dream so that you have control over it. You, you kind of get the feeling that he's even trying to make it worse for her, that he has an ulterior motive or something like yeah. that. Making it worse. Or I, I got the vibe, uh, that, you know, at the very least, he just thinks she's crazy. Yes, absolutely. Which is a great quality in a medical professional. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure if he's supposed to be a, uh, like a, like a shrink or a medical doctor. That that was one thing I was never quite clear right. on. But uh, I I always got the distinct sense that he just thinks uh, that this woman's nuts. Absolutely. Uh, but I'd really love to see her dance. So I'm gonna declare that she's sane and let her go. <laughs> um. So uh, so he gives her the idea of uh, hey, you know, if you have this dream again, why don't you just change it up and do something different? So this time she goes through the dream again, and instead of reaching for a glass of water, uh, she reaches for a pack of cigarettes next to the uh, next to the glass. And um, when uh, when she uh, uh, you know she she ends up dropping the lighter, I believe, and um, uh, because of that, she breaks the glass anyway. So no matter what she tries to do differently. Uh, she she tried it once and it didn't work, so she's all out of ideas. <laughs> I, I was that's funny that you mentioned it that way. It's because I, when I was rewatching this, I it felt like like the Twilight Zone rule of twos. If something happens twice in a row, despite the main character trying to gain agency and change it the second time, but it mm-hmm. still happens, like the glass <clears throat> breaking, even though she's smoking a pack of cigarettes instead of just reaching for the glass of water, it just seems like, oh, this is another one where, you know, the, the message is fate can't be changed. Not even in the Twilight Zone, not even in a dream. Exactly. Uh, Unless... Unless you're in an episode that is the model for Final Destination, right? Exactly. I, I, I was going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, get, get your get your theory on that one. Um, so, despite the fact that this actually doesn't work, um, you know, the the doctor does try to convince her that uh, that you know it's it's just a dream. Like he wheels in the ner- the actual morgue nurse, and it turns out it's not the not the right person. Yeah. So uh, ultimately, what, whatever the doctor does, they re- they really don't actually really show it. Uh, but uh, you know, suddenly in the next scene, she's she's sane again, or at least yes. sane enough that she's being released from the hospital. And uh, uh, Doctor Smith, which I I don't know that he he has a name. So can we just call him <laughs> Doctor Smith? His his name might actually be. You know what? His name is definitely Doctor Smith in this episode. Uh, let, let's let's pull up the IMDb page for this episode and and see. Uh, Jonathan Harris is just the doctor. <laughs> so uh, much like the uh, um, much, much like the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager, he's just the doctor. 
Um, oh my gosh, that's uh, that that's interesting. I, I you know, I I didn't really pick up on a name, obviously, but he didn't have one. That's I think this is definitely the uh, a shared universe. <clears throat> this is the uh, this is the Lost in Space Twilight Zone shared universe. I I think so. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, look out, Marvel. <laughs> So uh, ultimately, she is so and, uh, you know, as she's being let out, doctor, the doctor just ups the creep factor. Yes. 100%. Like, and this is why I think she probably was a stripper, because, um, you know, he, he basically says, I'll be sitting at the little table watching you. I never. <laughs> that makes total sense. I never. But I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, and uh, but by the way, lost in this whole discussion is the fact that her agent is equally creepy. Oh yes, everybody's creepy in this episode, <laughs> except for except for the the, the crazy person. Um, I mean, even even when like the uh, <clears throat> the nurse and Doctor Smith are like, yeah, it was a dream, but like, how did she know the the morgue is actually number twenty two? <laughs> They're like, ah, who cares? Let her go. Yeah, just like oh, you know, we probably should have asked her that. Uh, yeah. how, did, how did we miss that one? That's amazing. Uh, so the next scene, go stalk her down to Miami Beach and sit at a table when she, when she <laughs> and sit at a little table when she's dancing. Uh, so the next thing we know, uh, Liz is at the airport, and uh, this is obviously uh, many years pre nine eleven. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any security at all. No, uh, just just walk right out onto the tarmac, um, <laughs> and uh, she's she's climbing the stairs. She's uh, she she starts hearing the the clock ticking again, I I believe, and she she starts like I, I think just basically having the same feeling as the dream. She climbs the stairs, she gets to the top, and the flight attendant standing by the door turns out to be the woman from her dream and says, Mm-mm-mm. "Room for one more, honey." Room for one more, which she reacts to completely, <clears throat> you know, rationally boards the plane. Everything goes well. Roll credits, right? Uh, no, that's uh, actually not what happens. Uh, I, I think I think this particular time she is one hundred percent justified in being freaked out. I think one hundred percent in the dream she was probably overreacting. This time uh, with it happening, I believe she acted one hundred percent appropriately, the way uh, anybody would. Uh, certainly, the way I would. I would. I would scream and run in the other direction. One hundred percent. Um, so obviously they, you know, who, whoever she's flying with, I don't think it's even her, her agent at this point, but whoever she's with, uh, probably thinks that she's crazy. As a matter of fact, uh, I think it may have been the, the guy from, uh, from mirror image again, you know, <laughs> in, in a lobby running into a crazy blonde woman again. Uh, they're 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 comforting. <laughs> what range on that guy? <laughs> they're they're comforting her and uh, and trying to, uh, you know, figure out what's going on. And uh, as they're doing that, you see the reflection of the airplane exploding. Um, just after it took off. Which, if you're watching this <clears throat> in 1961, that's that's pretty terrifying. Like that's uh, I don't know. That's. Uh, this might be the best piece of episodic television you've seen. Uh, I, I I think so. Um, you know, it, it's something that we probably would be a little bit more desensitized to. 
you know, yeah, than, than someone watching it in, in like, like that was probably pretty edgy for for the early 1960s to show something like that. Um, I'm completely ignorant of this, uh, <laughs> this, but you, I would not be shocked if you knew the answer to this. When did commercial air, uh, air flight, when did, when did that begin? I'm glad you asked Sean. <laughs> uh, there, there, there would have been some uh, commercial flying in the, in like in the, in the late, very late twenties. Really? Uh, but, but really it started to take off. Uh, <laughs> in the in the 30s like the uh you know there, there were there were some planes out there that that uh that you know carried passengers and everything but it tended to be more of a novelty and then yeah when you had the dc3 which was by a douglas corporation um if you see you know footage from the 1930s that you've seen a dc3 it's a two-engine right. Uh, plane and there, there's actually some still around actually uh, but the DC-3 was introduced in 1936 uh, it was still kind of a novelty going into uh, into yeah. the war I think maybe it would have progressed a little bit quicker if it hadn't been for the depression you know because right. a lot of people probably didn't have have money to yeah. to throw around at, at flying on airplanes. So maybe like early 50s, mid 50s is when it's just like so ubiquitous. It's like, hey, you know, do you want to plan for a trip? Do you want to fly from, you know, New York to Chicago? Yeah, I mean, at that point, you know, the the world is opening up to people because, you know, right. there's there's more more common uh you know, air flight and uh you know, it's it's probably a little cheaper at that point. So, and I imagine that would make it even more even scarier, to be honest. Probably, yeah. Um, and I mean, just the idea that that um, there's nothing, as far as we know, there's nothing wrong with the airplane. It just explodes. <laughs> so, so you're either left with the idea that airplanes just spontaneously combust, or you know, maybe he's uh, you know, Serling is introducing the idea of a terrorist bombing. So neither one is a very pleasant idea. <laughs> Not at all. Um, <clears throat> the uh, nurse that turns into the flight attendant, um, uh, I would imagine she would also perish in the mid-flight explosion of uh, of this. Of flight oh, yeah, absolutely, because uh, she kind of looks at, uh, at her weird, but then just without missing a beat, just closes the door. So she uh, they, they do show her her having having closed the door so she's definitely on the airplane so she's probably not quote-unquote in on this like she like the the nurse would be no probably not um although i mean maybe maybe you know we can add some backstory here and say that uh, she actually was the one who blew up the airplane <laughs> i am 100 percent in on that um <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, of course, when this, you know, I I remember going to see um, Final Destination um, mm -hmm. in, in theaters, and I was with a couple friends, and I very, very, like, uh, so proud of myself. I, I was like, oh. You, you totally did the uh, the uh, the Marty McFly, hey, I've seen this one. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was, like, in my head, it's like, I, I don't know if you did this when you were a kid, but. Heck, I still do it. But it's like, no one's going to understand this. They're going to think you're a douchebag for bringing it up and that you're just trying to, like, exhibit your own, like, uh, obscure knowledge. 
but you still do it anyway. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. oh this is just like episode. Uh, this is just like tw- Twilight. Uh, this Twilight Zone episode that I saw. I'm not going to pretend that I remembered the the name of the episode back then. <laughs> <laughs> I I probably uh, before we watched uh, this episode, f- you know, for this podcast, I probably would have assumed that it was called Room for One More, Honey. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be a more Twilight Zoney uh, title. Now that now that you mentioned that, uh, it would so I like that a so, lot better. So, are we operating under the assumption? Okay, first of all, that uh, she's a stripper. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, uh, do we want to assume that the flight attendant slash nurse is Death, uh, or do we think that uh, Death uh, came after uh, poor Liz because she escaped? But much like Final Destination. Yeah, I think that that's probably um, that's probably um, the way that the episode was headed. Um, <clears throat> I think that there was, you know, it would it would probably be a lot shorter of a movie because she didn't have any friends with her like uh, Devin Sawa in Final Destination. It's true. But, um, it's true. But yeah, I mean, uh, if I'm quoting, and I am not looking this up, <laughs> if I'm if I'm quoting Candyman, Tony Todd in Final Destination, uh, death is one mf'er you can't. Oh no, I'm sorry, one Mac Daddy you can't f with. Uh, yeah, that that's that's good advice for life, really. Miss <laughs> Elizabeth Powell, professional dancer. Hospital diagnosis, acute anxiety brought on by overwork and fatigue. Prognosis, with rest and care, she'll probably recover. But the cure to some nightmares is not to be found in known medical journals. You look for it under potions for bad dreams. To be found in the twilight. Cabotron? 